Welcome back to Coriam, the official podcast of the NYU Bellevue Emergency Medicine Residency Program. I'm Brian Gilberti, and we're going to dedicate this episode to one of the most common and potentially concerning upper respiratory infections in children, croup, a viral infection that starts in the nasal and pharyngeal mucosa and spreads to the larynx and trachea. This leads to subglottic narrowing from inflammation that can cause a dynamic obstruction leading to that characteristic sound associated with this illness. What defines it to emergency medicine physicians is that barking cough, but sicker children may also have inspiratory stridor or hoarseness. When it comes to the cause of all this, there isn't just one culprit, but a set of usual suspects, including parainfluenza virus being the most common, rhinovirus, enterovirus, RSV, and more rarely influenza and measles. Croup has a relatively broad age range, commonly spanning from 6 months to 36 months. Though children may be younger or older than these ages, it's rare for children over 60 years old to be afflicted. There's also a seasonal component to croup, with a lot of these cases coming in the ED in the mid-fall or early winter, and more common, for whatever reason, in odd years. The reason this disease deserves a spotlight is because they can get sick and potentially require intubation. It can also mimic some especially grim infections, one of them being bacterial tracheitis. Though they may sound similar on exam, causative pathogens for tracheitis are bad news. Common among them are Staph aureus, Strep pneumo, Group A strep, and Morxella. Other diagnoses that must be considered are acute epiglottitis, inhaled foreign body, retropharyngeal abscess, and anaphylaxis when a croupy, stridulous kid comes into your emergency department. Now on to presentation. When interviewing the parents and the patient, there may not be much there to help you clinch the diagnosis. Classically, there's going to be a prodrome of nonspecific symptoms for one to three days with low-grade fevers, congestion, and runny nose. You may be lucky and have an astute parent who comments on that cough or maybe even records it. And these symptoms reach their peak severity on the fourth day before they start to abate. The exam is critical in these patients as this is a clinical diagnosis. That steeple sign on x-ray which represents subglottic narrowing is commonly taught but know that only 50% of patients with croup will have these findings on radiographs. What makes croup and its severity class is the exam. We want to assess air entry, skin color, level of consciousness, for tachypnea, if there are any signs of retractions or nasal flaring. Also, very importantly, if stridor is present at rest or with agitation and coughing. There are a lot of scoring systems here. The most widely used and validated croup scoring system is called the Wesley Croup Score, which may help guide the provider in their management of these patients. It basically assigns values to those important components of the exam to categorize the level of severity. These are chest wall retraction, stridor, cyanosis, level of consciousness, and air entry. And sensibly, not all these are weighted equally, with the presence of disorientation, cyanosis, and retractions attributed more value than the rest. Now on to discuss management, starting with mild croup. These patients will have an occasional barking cough, but no stridor at rest, and mild to no retractions. Mild croup benefits from a single dose of DEX, which has been shown to improve severity and duration of symptoms. The route is not particularly important, whether it's PO, IV, or IM. What is important, however, is that it does not induce any additional agitation in the patient, as that might worsen their condition. Patients in the mild category may be managed at home with humidifiers, though there isn't very good evidence supporting the use of humidifiers, antipyretics, and PO fluids. For the moderate group, these are patients who may have stridor at rest, mild to moderate retractions, but no altered mental status, and will not be in distress. 
these patients will require an escalation in care with nebulized epinephrine. Recepi will start to work in about 10 minutes and its effects will last for more than an hour. The severe group receives the same initial treatment as the moderate group with dex and recepi. These patients have worrisome signs with strider at rest, marked retraction, cyanosis, and or lethargy. And beyond the medical management with routine medications, Heliox, which is a combination of either 70 to 80% helium and 20 to 30% oxygen, may be attempted in an effort to avoid intubation. Understand that there is limited evidence to support the role of Heliox and croup, and that patients may require higher levels of oxygen than that 20 to 30% which is in the Heliox mixture. Intubation is rare in these cases, but does occur. This can be a difficult airway due to edema narrowing the airway, and some suggest starting with a tube that is 0.5 to 1 millimeter smaller than what you would normally use. For disposition, patients without strider at rest or respiratory distress can generally be discharged from the ED. If epinephrine was given, patients should be monitored for 2 to 4 hours for re-emergence of symptoms as the medication wears off. But know that 5% of patients will require admission for closer monitoring. Now on to take-home points. Croup usually affects children within the age range of 6 months to 36 months, with the most common cause being parainfluenza virus. Given the symptom overlap, we must consider more concerning diagnoses, including bacterial tracheitis in these patients, especially if they're more ill-appearing or traditional therapies are ineffective. Next, all patients benefit from a one-time dose of dexamethasone, and if racemic epinephrine is given, the patient should be observed for at least three hours. Finally, if intubation is required, anticipate a narrowed airway. That's all for this episode. Continue to follow us on Twitter and visit us on our site, coriam.net. We have a lot more in store for you guys this year, including additional videos, dissection of the most recent and classic literature, and core content review. Until the next one, this is Brian Gaberti, signing off.